0: The next Mishnah. If Mian took place, they both are now mutter to marry each other's relatives, and she is also kosher to kahuna, since she's not considered a grusha. And if they want to remarry later, then that's also mutter. The Gemara says if, however, she gets a get from him, then she cannot marry his relatives, and she cannot marry a kind, because now she's officially a grusha by virtue of the fact that she received a get. the Mishnah. If someone divorced his wife and then remarried her, and he dies, she's permissible to the other. Rebelazar says it's osir to make kiba. And the Gemara says, according to Rebbe Lazar, Yibam is Aser, because once, at one point, there was a time of Iser, or possibly due to other reasons that the Gemara mentions. The next Mishnah. Two brothers married two sisters who were under the age of Bas Mitzvah, with a Kedushan, derabanan, And one brother died. So there was no Khalitza and there was no Yibam. But if one was a Gudayla, so if the Ketana falls to Yibam, which is now a Zika Mid-Rabbana, this can't Aser, the sister who has a Kedushan, Mir But if the Gudayla falls to Yibam, so, does she ask her due to the Achayzisha or not? According to Rebelazar, we teach the Ktaneh to do Mian. According to Rabbi Gamliel, we wait till she's a G'dayla. But according to Rabbi Yeshua, both are sent away, one via get and one via Chalitza, due to the Klaal Zika. The Gemara says that a person should cling to three things. One, Chalitza, two, greeting his friends, and three, Hafaras Nadarim. And he should distance himself from three things, from Mian. He should not take securities to be a Shimer and he shouldn't become a guarantor by signing stars. A person should take chalitza instead of yivam because of the din of Avashal. If a yivam does yivam not for the mitzvah, but rather for the purposes of noi, because the woman is pretty, or because he wants her money, then it's pegea ba'erva and it's karav le'mamzer. If one pursues chesed and greets his friends, then he'll receive tzedakah and kavod. Rabbi Yasi says that he only has the schar for learning Taira, a person only has, says that he has schar for learning Taira, but he doesn't actually do actions with it, then he gets no schar for learning Taira either. In other words, a person has to make sure that if he learns Taira, he has to make sure to do something with it. The Gemara says a, a judge, a Dayan, should always pretend that there is a sword before him, ready to kill him, and, and Gehenim is below him, so he'll approach a judgment with a very serious attitude. And Finally, the Gemara says a Katana, who did not do mian when she became a G'dayla, but just went and married a second man. According to Rav, she doesn't need to get from number two. But according to Shmuel, she does. Dav Ravashi says if a person grabbed a woman from her husband, the Rabbanan can be iker the relationship, and this marriage to number two is no good. The Mishnah. If someone is married to two katanas, with Kedushay the Rabbanan, and then he dies, if Bia is done to one Yavama, it frees the co-wife from Ebu. And the Gemara says, What about a Chareshas, a deaf person? Can she do chalitza? According to Rav, she cannot. But according to Raba, she can if she was a hareshas all the way from before. Tav <laughs> According to Reb Chizda, marriage to a hareshas is considered a partial kinyin. Mache'enke, marriage to a katana, is a suffolk if it's a full kinyon or no kinyan at all. Reb Nechemia holds, if a bia takes place, even if it's a bia psula, it takes away the zika, which would require yibam but according to the Chachamim, it doesn't take away Zika. The next Mishnah. If someone was married to two Yosemes Khtanas and the brothers did Yibam to one of them, it doesn't pass all the first one, since the Zika of the second one is no better than the Zika of the first one. Rebbe says, we show the K'tana how to uproot her Kedushan via Mian. And the Gemara says the Halacha is like Rebbe The next Mishnah. A Yavam Khatan who made Yibum to a Yavama K'tana, they should grow together, since a cotton can't give a get. So now you really have no other etza. And think Gemara says, Our Mishnah is not like Rameir, who holds that there is no yibum by a cotton. At first they said that there are three women who can initiate a divorce and still get their money. Number one, a man was if she's married to a kain. Number two, he doesn't have Biya with her. And number three, she makes a neder not to have relations with anyone. But they changed this so as not to encourage this type of Practice and said she must bring proof to these three issues if they exist, or he should be matur neder for her. And finally, the Gemara says if she made a neder not to have relations with anyone, does this apply to a yavam also? Rav says it does not, and Shmuel says it does. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin the 14th parak, parakheresh shanisa, the Mishnah. A Kedushin between a deaf man and a regular woman. Or vice versa, the marriage is considered valid, and a get can also be chal. But if she becomes a shaita later on, he can't divorce her, otherwise people will take advantage of her. And the Gemara says, The chachamim were mesakin nisuin by deaf people because the odds are that they will live very well in harmony. But they weren't mesakin marriage by a shaita since a person can't live with a snake in a basket, so probably one will be able to live with a shaita. A cotton. They weren't misakin Nusuan for, since when he'll become a bar mitzvah, he will be able to have kedushin. So why should we rush to create that now? However, a ketana, a female, can have kedushin, and if she marries a Kayan, she can eat truma and she has a ksuva. A cherish, however, doesn't get a ksuva, since otherwise no one will want to marry her. The gemara says there are five people who shouldn't take off truma, and if they did, it's not considered truma. A cherish, shaita, cotton a person who is terim she'ena shalai, and a guy who takes for a Jew. Finally, the Gemara says, according to Rabbi Yitzchak, according to the Torah, a shaita can receive a get, even though she has no das, as long as she has enough das to protect herself. Otherwise she cannot, so to protect her from people taking advantage of her. But a man can't give a get unless he has das. Rabbi Yitzchak barbisna once lost the keys of the Beis Hamedrish on Shabbos in Rishos HaRabba, so they told him to bring some children to play, and they'll find the keys, and then bring them to him into the Beis Medrush. This is Mutter, since if a child eats navelis and trephis on his own, bezin shouldn't stop him, since he's not chayav in mitzvahs, but you shouldn't tell him specifically to do a malacha for you on Shabbos. And here we have a kasha. How can we allow cotton to do a malacha on Shabbos we know that we say in Kiddush and in the Pasuk it says. So we know you're not allowed to give something to a cotton to do a malacha on Shabbos. The same way you're not allowed to give a malacha to an animal to do for you on Shabbos. So how is this Gemara saying that it's Mutter? So the Achrayim answer that it's just like an animal here. We're to see to it that the animal rests on Shabbos and that it doesn't do malacha for you. But if it does malacha on its own for its own benefit, if it goes in and rips grass from the ground because it wants to eat, then you're not mochi'ev to stop it. Same thing is true with a child. You're not lechad allowed to tell a child to do a malacha, but if the child wants to play something, and he plays with something that's mukta and he's not a katnisha, that's higiyah lechinah, then basically he can do whatever he wants to do. You're not mochi'ev to stop the child from doing that. Here we have a basic malchoy kasvishayna. Everyone agrees that when we're dealing with an isr daraisa, you're not allowed to give that lechad to a child to do on Shabbos, or in fact give a child anything to eat, which is an isr daraisa. The question is, by an de according to the Rajbah, an isderabanan, a child is allowed to eat, or a child is allowed to do a malacha, which is an isderabanan. But Shemekh, according to the Rambam, you're not allowed to have a child do an isderabanan. And Rabbi Akiva Eger asks, can we allow a child under nine years old, who is not, to bring a sitter for us to shul on Shabbos, carrying it in a rishis The person is at home. He forgot a sitter in shul. He wants to give the sitter a child to the child, so the child should carry it to shul. Rabbi Akiva Eger says that you can't use this rajba as a heter. The rajba we mentioned before says if something is anisidara abanen, you're allowed to give it to a kutin to do. You can't use this heter, Why not? Because the ran says that this of the rajba, is only if it's the tzarech mamish. In other words, the child wants to play. So for the purpose, the benefit of the child, the child can play and do an abanen. But to ask them to do something for you which is usur? In order for the something to be for our benefit, that you're not allowed to do. So, in other words, carrying the sitter on Shabbos is really for our benefit. That you can't ask the cotton to do. So, Rabbi Eger says an interesting etza that what you do is you let him take the sitter to shul, so that when he comes to shul, you should give him the sitter and let him practice the aleph beis a little bit. So the aleph beis that he's reading is really for the child's benefit. Then after once he does that, then you're allowed to use it to in from. But the Ritva adds in general, talking about the rajma, that you can only rely on the hetter of the rajma periodically, once in a while, not on a regular basis. Because if you would allow this hetter on a regular basis, the child would get used to doing this particular malakha, and later when he grows up, it would be hard for him to get used to not do it. And this is similar to what the Moggen Avram says in Simen Shinman Gimel, but that that's why we can give wine to a cotton and a bris mila kipper. kippur since it's only once in a while that it ever happens that a bris milah happens on Yom Kippur. So the child drinks wine that one time on Yom Kippur, and afterwards he's not going to get used to drinking on Yom Kippur, because the, that type of thing only happens once in a yavu, right? But in a regular case, a child is not going to, every Yom Kippur, be able to drink wine, because every Yom Kippur there's not a bris milah. So this whole heta, according to the, the Mogadavram, he brings down, according to the Rajabha, only applies if it happens periodically, not something that happens on a regular basis. The Gemara says if a guy comes to extinguish a fire on Shabbos, we don't stop him, since he's not mechui even resting on Shabbos at all. So why stop him at all? But if a cutin comes, we don't let him extinguish it on Shabbos, since for him, he has a, he has a, a tzivoy of, of shvisa also, like anybody else has a tzivoy of that. A child can nurse from a goya or a treifa animal, even though they're an iser But you can't l'chad chila, feed him nevelas and treifas. Milk, we say, is so important to be matir, since without it, it's a sakana for the child. Here we also have, um, we could talk a little bit about chaliva, about milking a cow on Shabbos. Is that mutter or is it not mutter? According to all the Rishayim, it's also for a Jew to milk a behema on Shabbos, either because of Mafarik, or because of dash, Rashi says, or because of taichen, which is what the Uram says, or mamachek, which Rabbeinu Tam says. Others say maybe it's because of bayre. In any case, it's oser to simply do chaliva into an empty milking vessel on Shabbos. However, milking into a keli that already has food in it may be mutter. since we say mash haba lo'echel ka'echel dami. So if you milk something onto food itself, it's not like you're stop milking, but rather you're improving the food. This is similar to the concept of squeezing a lemon on Shabbos, that we know it's usur to squeeze a lemon on Shabbos. However, to squeeze it onto sugar... That might be mutter because you're only improving the sugar. It's mashkahaballah eichal ka eichal dami. It's like only making the sugar, giving a little bit of lemon flavor to the sugar. So that may be mutter. Also, it would be mutter to tell a guy to milk an animal on Shabbos, since although we say la akam is usr mid on Shabbos, so how could you tell a guy to do this for you on Shabbos? But since if you don't milk the animal, it's sarbal chayim, therefore it would be mutter to tell a guy to milk the animal even on Shabbos. Finally, here the Gemara says that it's usr for anyone to eat blood. Tuma or shratzim, and this is even true for a kat. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin the 15th parak, ha'isha Shalem, as background. Normally we say, you need two him for anything, especially when we're dealing with a rice. But if a husband is missing, we don't know whether he's alive or if he's dead. We say that one aid is enough since we say, as we had before in earlier prakim. And the Mishnah says, if a woman and her husband went to Medina's Hayam and they were happily married and they went to a tranquil area, if she says my husband dies, he died there, then we believe her. And she could be the Eidachot. And she's allowed to remarry or she's allowed to do Yibam. But if they weren't happily married, then we don't believe her, since really she just wants to get out of the marriage. That's what she's trying to do. It's a biased opinion. Therefore we don't believe her in that case. And if there's a case of war, then we also don't believe her, because she maybe didn't see him die, but is only speculating probably since there was war, he probably died if she lost track of him. Rabbi Yehuda says, we never believe her unless she comes weeping and her clothes are ripped. Then it's a simon that as a matter of emotions, she probably really did lose her husband. And the Gemara says, if she says he died out of starvation, it's like she says he died in war, so we can't believe her. If she says he died in a tornado, or the roof cave in, or a scorpion attack, then it's also like war and we can't believe her, since she probably ran away out of fear and she didn't actually see him die. In fact, sometimes a plague can strike a town for seven years, and if a person's time didn't come to die, then he's not going to die, so she can't make those types of assumptions. Therefore, we can't believe her. If there was a fire, and she says there's a fire and he died, we can't believe her, since just like the miracle saved her and she was able to run away from the fire, maybe he was also saved by the same miracle. The Gemara says sometimes if a woman has a migu, then we might believe her. If robbers attack a husband and a wife, as long as she didn't see him die, we don't believe her, since the woman wouldn't have stuck around to see if, she, if he dies or not, since the woman isn't afraid, and she, she always has her ammunition. She always says to herself, you know what, they won't kill her, but rather they're going to save her so they could do a mice's nus on her later on, therefore maybe she didn't in fact see him die. Think of if an if a man came and said a woman's husband died in battle, we believe him since he would never lie out of fear for being exposed later on. the He's not going to lie, because he knows later on somebody will figure out that he lied, and he'll be exposed. Pigamar says Yitzchak, who was the Reish Galusa, and he was the son of the sister of Rav Bibi, and he was known as Yitzchak Reish Galusa. he was traveling to Aspania, and he died. And the adam came along and said that Yitzchak Reish Galusa died. The question is if we believe him or not. Because it's Shayek that since the Adam didn't really know him, they just said to him, what's your name? And he said, my name is Yitzchak Reish Galusa. So it's possible that they really didn't know him, but they just heard his name. There's Maybe it's shaykh that there's two Yitzchak Resh Galusas. And maybe the one that died is not the same one that was the wife of this particular person. And the one who died was a different one. Abayeh says we need to be suspicious. But Rav says we don't concern ourselves with this possibility because it's really Lai and this is how we passed So if today an aide comes and says, Yitzchak, your husband, died we can assume that it's the correct Yitzchak, not that this person was really talking about a different Yitzchak. The letters of a shtar create a kinyan by simply handing the shtar to someone. You hand the shtar to someone, that makes the kinyan. The gemara says, if the woman said to her husband, give me a divorce, and she says it in front of people, she says, we're finished together, then it's a simon that there was ktata, there was a lack of harmony in this marriage, before he left overseas. If a woman says, I was divorced from my husband, we believe her, since a woman wouldn't have the chutzpah to say that in front of her husband. So if she said that publicly, probably they were divorced. And finally, the Gemara says, if there was a big machleikus, then we don't believe her. The Mishnah. Beis Hillel says that we only believe a woman who says that her husband died if she came from that particular city and said that he died. According to Beis she would also be believed if she came from a nearby city or any similar case to the city of Kutzer, which is mentioned here. But Hillel retracted and later agreed to Beis Shammai. The Gemara then relates the specific Myssah Shahaya with the snake at Chachamim to this particular heter. The next Mishnah. If there was an Eid Achad or she claimed her husband dies, so Beis Shammai says she can remarry because we say Mishum Igune Kilubera Banner, and she's also allowed to collect ksuvah money. Hillel says she can remarry, but she can't collect ksuvah money, just like brothers can't collect Yerushah money. Later, Beis Hillel was made to Zain. Shammai. If in this case, however, there is Yibam, a cointur of Chizda, the Yavam, will get the Yerusha. The Gemara says if a woman barges into Bezden and begins her request by saying, My husband died. Give me my Ksuba money. Then we don't give her a Ksuba, and we don't even allow her to remarry, since it appears that the only reason she came to testify that her husband died was to collect money. So she's probably not believable. And Mishumi Guna does not apply because she's not interested in marrying, Isha Daita doesn't apply also, since she didn't check out well. There was, neither of these Heterim can apply, because it seems that she's just coming for money. So we can't use the Heter of and we can't use the Heter of Isha Daita o The next Mishnah. All people are believed to say her husband died, as in Eidachot, except for five relatives who are suspicious of lying. A mother-in-law, daughter of the mother-in-law, a tsara, a sister-in-law, and her husband's daughter. And the Gemara says, the daughter is not believed, since she is upset that the wife will reap all the inheritance from her brother instead of her. So she's looking to make trouble for her brother-in-law. The Gemara says, a daughter-in-law dislikes a mother-in-law, since sometimes the mother-in-law reveals the secrets of the daughter-in-law to her son. And the Gemara says, just like when a person looks into water, he sees his reflection, so too a person's heart tells the other what he thinks of him. (laughs) Kamayim Haponim ponim this is a pasuk in Mishle. Just like the daughter-in-law dislikes the mother-in-law, so too vice versa. That's what this is referring to. Rashi explains here from the, from the Gemara in Megillah If a person works hard, the Tairi he knows will reflect it. If he doesn't work hard, then it won't him. Mishnah. If one aide Echod, says, the man died, she remarried, and then a new aide comes along later on and says he didn't die, she doesn't have to leave the new husband. But if two Adim came later, then she must leave the second husband. If two came and said he died, subsequent Adim don't really matter anymore. And the Gemara says In the first case, even if she didn't remarry before the new Adim came, she can still remarry. Since according to Ula, an Eid Echad establishes Adis here, just like two Adim establish Adis. Once the woman gets a heter to remarry, even if Adim came to refute the aid later on, she can still rely on a heter and remarry. The Mishnah. Two women who are tsarists came to Besdin regarding their husbands. One said he died, one said he didn't die. The one who says he died is believed, and she can remarry. The one who says she didn't die cannot remarry. If they both said he died, one said he died naturally, but one said he was killed. Remeir says neither can remarry, because there's a contradiction here. Rabbi Huda Shimon say they can remarry, since they both agreed that he died. So it doesn't really matter how they died, but both agreed that he died. If two independent Aden came, one said he died and one said he didn't die, then they cannot remarry. The general rule is, all co-wives, all tzarahs, want to make tzarahs for the other tzarah. That's why we're superstitious about them. What about the fact that by making trouble for the tzarah, she hurts herself, because now not only did she make tzarahs for the other Tsar, but she can't remarry either. So the Gemara answers, the Thomas Nafsha in Plishtim. It's like Shimshon said, it's worth it for me to die if a lot of the Plishtim would die also. So if she's taking herself down with it, that's fine, as long as the other person suffers too. The Tzara figures it's okay for her to suffer since she causes pain for the other Tzara, so it's worthwhile for her. Mishnah. If a woman went to Medina's Hayam with her husband and she said that he died, she can remarry and she can get the Ksuba, but the Tzara cannot. If she's a Vas Yisrael, according to Reptarfin, the Tzara may continue to eat Truma According to Rabbi Akiva, she cannot. I think Mara says the Halacha is like Reptalfin. The next Mishnah. If a man married one of five women and couldn't remember which one he married, and all five of these women said, he was the one who married me. According to Reptarif, he gives all five again, get, but the one ksuba he leaves for them to fight over. So he only has to leave one ksuba, and they fight over. According to Akiva, he must give a ksuba to each of the five women. This same achleikis would apply if a person stole from one of five people, doesn't remember which one, all five say he stole from me, so the same achleikis here would apply whether he has to pay all of them or just pay one of them. The next mission if a woman goes with her husband and her son to Medina Sayam, and she returns and says my husband died and then my son died then she's believed and she can remarry without Yibim or chalitza, since when she left she was Becheskas Eina Zakuka liyabam. she had a son at that point because the son hadn't died yet so no yibim is needed and she's now still eno Zakuka Liyava she's also believed because we could say Apesha or who Apesha Hiter she didn't have to tell us that the son died if she said the husband died, and we know she had a son, she wouldn't be Zokuk anyways. But if she says, first my son died, then my husband died, we're chayshish, and she requires chalitza, since we say, shavya she made herself a lishuk, since now she had no child before the husband died, so maybe she needs chalitza, but of course, even though she can do chalitza, she cannot do even because it's a the gemara: If someone sends a shliach to give his wife a get, if it was done at patter her from Yibam, it's a suffic if it's good, since, it's, since it may not be zachin Ladam But if they're not happily married, it's still a suffic, since she still would prefer to be married, because we say Rish Lakish says tabla mesef, tandu It's better to be married than to be alone. According to Abaye, even if the man is as small as an ant, there's still a chasibas to being married, because a woman would rather be called a married woman versus being a single woman marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin parakh Tezayin, the final parakh, Ha'isha Basra, from Daph the Mishnah. If a husband and the Tzara went overseas, and she was told that he died, she cannot marry anyone until she finds out if Tzara was pregnant, i.e. to determine if she needs Yibam or not. And the Gemara says, the Rabbanan hold that we follow a raiv over a Chazaka, if it's Isha Likaman, it's in front of our eyes, i.e. like 10 meat stores, we don't know if it's, the meat came from a Kusha or a treif store, but if it's Ruba de Kaman, it's a statistical majority, it's not something that's in front of us, like here, most women who are pregnant have a child, as the Gemara says, then we would not hold Avrov, the Mishnah. Two women married to two brothers and each says her husband died. They both cannot remarry, since we're afraid, as we've learned, that each is trying to make trouble for the other. Chaf, the Gemara. Even though Tsara A, by hurting Tsara B, also hurts herself. She doesn't care, because she has the satisfaction of hurting the other Tsara. Thomas Nafshi in Plishtim, as we mentioned before. The next Mishnah. An edus that a specific person is dead is only valid if the aid saw the dead person's face and nose after he died, to confirm clear identification. One may testify only up to three days after death, since the body decomposes after that, so it's hard to identify. According to Yehuda, it depends on weather conditions and the place because every situation is different. So there's no exact three days, but it depends where and when it is. And the Gemara says the forehead is also essential to positively identify a dead person. The Gemara says it's a questionable. It's questionable if Simonim are a din, Midaraisa, or Midarabonim. People are afraid to lend out rings or wallets because someone will copy the signature of the seal and they'll be able to steal a lot of things from them. A person cannot be matama until he actually mamish dies, not if he's almost dead. And finally, the a person cannot testify on another person's death if he just sees him hanging, since he may survive. If, however, if the majority of his throat was slit, we can assume he died, and she can remarry. If someone fell into water, she can't remarry, because he probably came up somewhere and survived, according to a mayor. According to a BIC, we do allow her to remarry, as long as all shores are visible, so we can assume he didn't come up. And think about it, it says, Rav wanted to put a Talmud into Kherom, since he disagreed with a but Shmuel decided to first ask him some questions. Rabbi Akiva once fell into water and was saved by a board from a ship. Thekemar says, if someone fell into a lion's den, we can't assume that he's dead. But if he fell into a pit of Nechashim Vakravim, we can assume that he's dead. If he fell into a Kipshana Aisha furnace, we can also assume that he's dead and his wife can remarry says The fast of Esther was for three days and three nights. It's interesting to point out that most midrashim hold, it was just for three days. Nights were not included. A person cannot be with a lack of sleep for more than three days. The zchus of tzedakah, in a particular thing, prevents a person's children from getting hurt. The Mishnah. Even if the adis regarding Mises Sabal was just aid me aid, or just children talking about the death with an idle conversation, it's enough as adis to allow her to remarry. And the says, a guy is not believed as adis unless the edus was purely incidental. That kufchof kuf beis, the Mishnah. Edus seen in moonlight is also good. It doesn't have to be seen by daylight. And death heard via a voice, via a baskol, is also good. The Gemara says, according to Beis we don't say edus from a baskol, but according to Beis as we see here, we say masian al pi baskol. Pref, interesting to point out, since we don't understand what a baskol really is, we can't rely on one to allow a woman to remarry the Mishnah. There's a machoikis if we believe in Eid achad to allow a woman to remarry. And the Gemara says, if we do believe in Eid achad, we believe a woman too who comes to testify regarding her dead husband. Even according to Rabbi Akiva, was normally machmer by Eid Echad. The Mishnah. As brought in a Misa here with an innkeeper, a pundikis, a non-Jewish woman who was believed that a Talmud Chochem died since she brought out the man's bag and saved her terror. And the Gemara says, which was incidental, Eidus, as we say, Mesiyach Lfi, Tumai. The Gemara also says that she had quality Eidus because she began by weeping when she saw them. Then she said her Eidus, so it's believed, since Mesiyach the Mesiyach Lepit says it's a machoikis between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi of if edis from an Eid needs Drisha and Hakira. And finally, this mesachta concludes with the famous Mamre, Amr Abelazor, Abra Bichanina, Talmidi, Chachamim, Marvim, Sholom Bo'elam, Shanem, Barvachal, B'naiach, Hashem, Rav Sholom B'naiach. Talmidi, Chachamim, increase peace in this world, as it is said, and your children will be students of Hashem, and they will have peace. If you recall from when we learnt Mesachtas brachas, this particular statement of Rebbe was also the closing line of that Mesachta. In fact, it is also the closing line of Masakta Nazir and Masaktas Croesus. So in all, this Mamre is the Hadron for four different Masaktas in Shas. The obvious question is, why do these four masaktas end with this Mamre? And what is the common denominator between them? Well, Lubavitcher Rebbe Shlita, in a seam on these four Mesechthas, Mesechthas Banaikh, Brachas Nazir, Yavamas Krisis, explain that these four Mesechthas revolve around the notion of making Shalom, peace between two different beings. How is that so? Mesechthas Brachas, which speaks about Kriyishma, Tfilah, and Brachas, whose purpose are to bring one closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all aspects of his or her life, create Shalom ben HaKadosh Baruch Hu La'adam. Yavamas, whose Indian focuses on the fact that one needs to be Hakim Shem. Achiv via shalom al the and Chesed Shalames the dead brother creates shalom ben Adam l'chaverah. Nazir is for the purpose of creating shalom ben Ishla la'istay. Since we know that the reason in Parshas Nasav that the Parsha of Nazir is Samach to the Parsha of Saita, is so that when a man sees a situation of Saita, he'll take himself away from Miyan and keep himself away from his nus, and therefore becoming a nazir. And finally, Kreisos is to create shalom ben Guf l'neshama. So when a person does a major averah, the Misa of Karis is necessary to create shalom with the neshama as a kapara. So this is why these four Masechahs end with this Meimra. The connection between these four, as the Rebbe explains, is for a fifth Shalom, the most important Shalom of all, Shalom Ba'ilam. This is accomplished via the Talmud'i Chachamim who learn Torah, via the Torah, but they are, mar bim Shalom Ba'elam. As the Rambam says in Al Hanukkah, kala Torah nitna bishvil Shalom Ba'elam, meaning that via learning the Torah, there will be Shalom between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the world, which will keep Shalom in the world. And on this note, we should have the schus of seeing Shalom throughout our lives, and be be tibias gail tzedek bim heira Amenu. Amen. Hadrun Allah masakta yabamas.